0: We'll 23 of the Montana Values podcast. In this show, we'll dive deeper into the Red Agenda's pursuit for criminal justice and what you can expect from Republicans when they get to Helena in 2021. Let's drop a depth charge into part two of the Hunt for Red Montana with our host, Tammy Fisher. So friends, we're going to look at this through the lens of a former prosecutor and that's Tammy's bailiwick. Uh, Tammy, you and I came to know each other after your days as a prosecutor. Yep. And I actually have been in the courtroom on numerous occasions when you were litigating a case and helped you even prep for some of those cases, watched you litigate those cases, argue those cases successfully, win those cases. (laughs) And so I know that you have extensive experience in how the criminal justice system works.
1: I do. You know, I spent two and a half years as a prosecutor. So the issues we're talking about today are pretty near and dear to my heart. I have firsthand experience in dealing with drugs and addiction, both with my own family and family members, but also as a prosecutor. And It was very easy to see very quickly. It didn't take me two and a half years to come to the conclusions that I have come to. And ultimately, I guess what are my suggestions that other states have also developed on how we can best address drug addiction and incarceration and the criminalization of drug use in Montana. So today we're going to talk about how the Red Agenda attempts to tackle Montana's drug problem. And it's addiction problem and the prison dilemmas that we face because the cost of incarcerating people is continuing to skyrocket. We run out of prison space or cell space. We're paying private prison companies to house our inmates. And to what end is really the question. Are we housing the right people? And what we hope for is that the red agenda will get far more innovative than what it currently reflects because old school thinking on drugs has gone the way of the buggy whip and we need a fresh perspective that actually tackles the root cause of the problem. And so this is where we're going to go down war stories that lawyers love to tell and story time. And one of the first cases when I was a prosecutor that I had that really opened my eyes was it was a 19 year old girl in Kalispell, who was going to prison, her first shot around the bases, Department of Corrections, for possession of methamphetamine. And I don't recall if there was another crime involved, but I think this one was possession of methamphetamine. And she came into the courtroom for her sentencing, and she was going to go through the Department of Corrections programs, which starts with connection corrections at the time. That's what it was called, which is a drug treatment. And then you end up, basically on probation for the rest of your sentence, but it is incarceration for a period of time. She came into the courtroom and she looked pretty awful. She had very long roots to her beautiful blonde hair and she, her body had been completely ravaged by methamphetamine addiction. And my boss at the time was sitting next to me and he was in tears. And I said, what's wrong with you? What's going on? This is just another druggie that we're sending to prison or we're sending to the department of corrections. And he said, She graduated with my daughter and she was on the cheer squad and she was number one in her class and her life just kind of went to hell late in the second half of her senior year. And within about a year and a half, she went from being the golden girl at the high school to being completely overwhelmed by her addiction and spending time with the wrong people and doing the wrong thing. And I remember my boss talking to her mother in the courtroom and how her mother wept over what her child had become. And I was a young mother at the time, and I was also a pretty cocky um, prosecutor. And it stunned me at how a young woman could go from top of her class, sports, popular, to really, it completely not only changed her outer look, but it changed who she was. Because now she's a criminal. And it also struck me how easy I could have been in the same situation that she was because she went to a party and while some of her friends went towards the beer, which is probably where I would have gone, she went towards somebody who was using methamphetamine and her choice of drugs ended her up in prison and my choice in high school of alcohol or weed would never get me to prison. And so had I become an addict of alcohol, and to the extent you can be addicted to weed, I don't know if you can, I would never have faced felony possession charges. I could have drank myself to death as an addict. But because she chose methamphetamine or methamphetamine was chosen for her, maybe by a boyfriend or something else, she faced an entirely different set of consequences. And it struck me as she cried and as her mother cried as she was being sentenced to go to the Department of Corrections, just the disparities in our criminal justice system based upon your choice of addicting substance. And the saddest thing about that story is she was housed in Sanders County Jail, awaiting her turn at Connections Corrections, which is the state's drug treatment kind of facility. And her mom was driving down to Sanders County to see her And on the highway, she was going by planes, I think. (laughs) A rock fell from the top of a cliff, hit her car, and killed her mother instantly. And so that young girl at the age of 19 had suffered more tragedy, as had her mother, than most of us will ever experience. And it's just fascinating to me how essentially the turn of events could happen so quickly and and have such different consequences than it may have for somebody else in a similar situation, I guess. So it's under that guise or or through that lens that I would like all of us to at least have the discussion or be thoughtful about how we're addressing drugs in Montana, addiction in Montana, and incarceration.
0: Now, the Red Agenda refers to, quote, strengthening law and order, end quote. And included in that section is phrases like war on meth and drug treatment courts and drug teams without much detail. On page four of the Red Agenda, the first component of the criminal section is to, quote, fully fund statewide drug treatment courts, end quote.
1: Yeah. And I get a lot of questions about drug treatment courts. I have some familiarity with them and I just don't like them. I think it's a misuse of the criminal justice system. So I know they have been somewhat successful. I know that for some people they've been life-changing. However, the cost and investment of state and county employee time to me just isn't worth the return. Court is not where you address addiction. Court is not where drug treatment occurs. Court is a component. Of the criminal justice system, and the criminal justice system is meant to punish and provide restitution to victims. Anyone who thinks the criminal justice system excels at rehabilitating criminals hasn't worked in the criminal justice system. Lawyers know nothing about addiction, judges are in the same boat, and using a system designed for punishment and restitution to treat addiction is like hiring a plumber to wire your house. It's a misuse and it's a false reliance upon a system that has zero expertise and training in addiction. This doesn't mean that the people and professionals involved don't mean well. They all mean well. They absolutely do. And it doesn't negate the fact that almost all crime is fueled in part by addiction. But to tell the criminal justice system and courts it's now their responsibility to fix addiction is a false reliance that results in significant dollar investment with little return. Instead, Those dollars should be spent on additional inpatient and outpatient treatment addiction facilities staffed with addiction specialists who went to college specifically for the purposes of treating addiction, not lawyers who went to college to learn how to practice law. If you wouldn't have a lawyer perform your heart surgery, why would you have a lawyer involved in your drug treatment? And yes... We are well aware that drug treatment courts are comprised of a team of professionals, not just lawyers and judges. And we know that everyone works together to help a drug addict make meaningful change in their life to avoid the consequences of the criminal justice system. But the goals of drug treatment courts can be pursued in a way that makes more sense and actually addresses the root cause of the problem, which is addiction. In Montana, when you commit a crime and you're convicted, at sentencing, the judge is allowed to take into account any mitigating factors that weigh in favor of a lighter sentence, such as whether the needs of the offender can better be served by the community or in a facility or program other than state prison, considers whether the offender's criminal conduct was the result of circumstances that are unlikely to recur, the character and the attitude of the offender indicate that the offender is likely to commit another crime. So basically, you look at the person's character and say, are you likely to commit another crime? Or is there something there that that caused you to commit the crime or inspired you to commit the crime? And they can also look at whether the offender is likely to respond quickly to correctional or rehabilitative treatment. Typically, an offender in Montana does not seek drug treatment prior to being sentenced for his or her crime. So why is that? Well, there's two reasons, and these are huge, big deals. The first reason, we have only one publicly funded inpatient treatment center in Montana located in Butte, which we affectionately refer to as MCDC, the Montana Chemical Dependency Center, I think is what it's called. MCDC has a whopping 32 treatment beds to serve the entire state of Montana, Outside of the correction system. So outside of the correction system, because the correction system has several treatment facilities for addicts, but you have to be inside. You have to have been sentenced to get access to those treatment facilities outside of being in the correction system. Outside of being in prison, we have one publicly funded treatment center that houses a whopping 32 patients. So if you're not yet sentenced to a crime and you want addiction treatment, your only option is MCDC, one facility. Now, we have privately funded treatment facilities in Montana, but typically speaking, those that enter the criminal justice system with crimes inspired by their addiction don't have health insurance or a means to pay for private treatment facilities. MCDC does a great job, but with 32 beds. How long of a list do you think they have and how hard do you think it is to get into their facility? Moreover, if you have transportation issues, and I'm telling you folks, transportation for the working poor is a very real issue. How will you, if you have transportation issues in the midst of your overwhelming addiction, get to Butte, Montana? And so it's long been the case that the best way for the poor in Montana to access treatment is through the criminal justice system, and that means to access treatment, publicly funded treatment, you have to commit a crime, which is usually when your addiction has completely overwhelmed your life versus early in your addiction cycle. So we have a totally screwed up system here in Montana when it comes to addiction treatment. And the other reason why people don't get addiction treatment before they actually are sentenced or have the conviction on the record is they may not be ready for treatment. They haven't hit their rock bottom. And so between not having treatment facilities available and for perpetrators not being ready to address their addiction issues, those two together create a combination where it's very difficult for our criminal justice system to adequately address the treatment needs in Montana. Because what we want to do is have addicts access treatment before they enter the criminal justice system because it's actually much cheaper to get them rehabilitated. So what we have now is poor folks that need treatment can't get it until they commit a crime. And when they commit a crime, they create a victim. So everyone loses under the current system. And believe me, folks, I am a tough on crime prosecutor. I have no problem sending the right people to prison for a very long time. But if the manner in which the state deals with addiction actually sets people up to fail and sets people up to become criminals, then we got to change the system because there is no justice in criminalizing addiction. There's just not And until we embrace addiction as an illness, as a disease, we will continue to have high recidivism of crime and a revolving door through our criminal justice system. So what would work? Well, clearly, we have a disproportionate number of addicts in this state. We have an enormous methamphetamine, heroin, and pain pill addiction problem in the state. You can see it when you walk down the street. You can see it by glancing at the jail roster. And you can see it if you take the time to check out any emergency department in our state. You literally have to be blind not to see the addiction in every corner of our society and every corner of our state. So if we're willing to accept that addiction is not a human failure but a disease— then can we actually begin to treat the disease systematically, fairly, and primarily outside of the criminal justice system? Because what hampers recovery more? Self-loathing due to addiction or self-loathing due to addiction and victimizing others by committing crimes? Why not limit the suffering instead of extending it far and wide throughout our communities? So we need more state-funded treatment facilities that are in no way tied to the criminal justice system. Lots more. And that's expensive. Really stinking expensive.
0: Where would we get the
1: money? Well, so now you got to stick with me here because you're not going to like this, Mickey. I promise you will not like this, but you got to stick You got to hang on. (laughs) Hold on. Because this proposal is radical. Great. And at first, I choked on the idea. I couldn't even utter the words. And here are the words. Two words very hard for a former prosecutor to utter. Decriminalize addiction. Wait, what? (laughs) No, I'm serious. That's right. Stop putting people in jail for being addicts. Put them in jail for their crimes against others. Theft, property crimes, crimes against people. But don't jail them simply because they chose meth over alcohol as their drug of choice. Think about it. You can drink yourself to a blither on your front porch consuming bottles of booze and you have zero criminal consequences. Not one. But if you shoot up meth on your front porch, that's a crime. That's a felony and the consequence is up to 10 years in prison. Does it make sense to discriminate against a person based upon their drug of addiction? Is alcohol, when misused, any less harmful to a family unit than methamphetamine? Is prescribed oxycodone, when misused, any less harmful to a family unit and society than heroin? If all of these drugs of addiction are equally devastating to the addict and to society, why do we discriminate against them? So if you're still with me, how do we make sure addiction is treated as a disease and a healthcare issue and that it's not addressed by a system intended to punish and provide restitution to victims? And then how do we add treatment centers and not blow the budget? If we really want to tackle the addiction problem in the state that keeps otherwise working, capable adults from being productive members of society, We need a holistic approach because how we treat addiction is reactive right now, and it's punitive, and every system in our state is affected. Between 2012 and 2017, the number of kids in foster care in Montana went up by 98%, 98%. And the primary reason kids are removed from their parents is addiction. And the cost of providing services to these families broken by addiction? It's enormous. It's huge. It's millions of dollars to treat the tertiary effects of addiction counseling for kids, counseling for parents, cost for foster care placements, cost for supervised parenting. It's a system that is underfunded and bleeding money with no end in sight and no treatment facilities to place the parents in. What about the babies born in our hospitals? Our Montana babies? Our rate of drug-addicted babies born in Montana is among the highest in the country and one of the fastest growing. And drug-addicted babies are incredibly expensive to care for. And you know who pays those bills? You and me. We're all paying for those bills anyway, folks. If we're going to shift our approach to drugs of addiction, we can also shift the costs of addiction. And here's what we mean by that. If we can conserve jail cells for criminals, not addicts, we can take the cost savings and shift it to addiction treatment facilities. If fewer babies are born drug addicted, we can shift those cost savings to addiction treatment facilities. If fewer kids are removed from their parents' care, we can shift those cost savings to addiction treatment facilities. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. We can look at other states and we can look at the drug trade for what it is. It is a supply and demand industry like every other industry. On the supply side, we lock up the suppliers for a very long time. Throw away the key. Make dealing and distributing drugs in Montana a very painful endeavor. Increase funding for law enforcement drug interdiction activities. Help our cops cut the supply side. They know how to do it and listen to them when they tell us what tools they need to cut off the supply chain. And then we got to address the demand side holistically. Look at what other states like Maine and Illinois, Washington and New Jersey are doing. They have comprehensive strategies to address demand. In some states, when law enforcement meets an addict on the street... Instead of charging and jailing the addict for being in possession of their drug of addiction, they can refer the addict to treatment under what is called the law enforcement addiction advocacy program, pre arrest diversion programs and treatment alternatives to incarceration that are not reliant on the courts, but the discretion of law enforcement on the street. Pre arrest diversion initiatives are key through these initiatives. Police serve as the point of contact for those seeking treatment in their communities, offering immediate access, and reducing the magnitude of obstacles associated with entry to treatment. Cops help addicts get treatment before they even commit crimes because they know where the addicts are. Cops are viewed as a safe place for addicts to turn to for help without judgment and with options for treatment. This is part and parcel of community policing model. And it's another way that we can back the blue in how they want to address addiction in our communities. But all of this, literally any plan available, relies upon open access and availability of state-funded addiction treatment facilities. Simply offering acute detox services will not cut it. We must have non-judgmental, non-criminal justice-affiliated long-term treatment facilities across the state. So instead of investing more money in drug treatment courts, invest it in pre-arrest, no-crime-committed
0: drug treatment facilities. And what statutes could the legislature amend to reflect a new approach to addiction? Well, the sentencing
1: statutes that direct judges and how they determine appropriate sentencing for a crime is one way to do it. If an addict commits a crime and prior to sentencing takes it upon themselves to seek addiction treatment... That should be a mitigating factor, not for purposes of restitution to the victim, but for purposes of decreasing the possible sentence of incarceration. Addicts don't get treatment unless they're ready, and forced treatment rarely succeeds. But for those addicts truly remorseful for their crimes that were committed to feed their addiction, submitting to addiction treatment voluntarily should be considered by a judge at sentencing. Explicitly stating in black and white legislatively that voluntary submission to treatment pre-plea, before they even enter a plea, and pre-sentencing before sentencing, that should be a mitigating factor for consideration in sentencing. That would be a good step. Taking the bold step as Oregon has and decriminalizing the simple possession of a drug of addiction would also put addiction where it belongs, which is in the healthcare system, not the criminal justice system. So if you are treated the same as if you're found with personal use amounts of methamphetamine or heroin as you are treated if you're found with a bottle of vodka or prescribed pain pill, that would help. And we charge criminal conduct then only, like theft, disorderly conduct, forgery, etc., rather than Felony possession of personal use drugs. So you're charging the criminal conduct, not the addiction. And that's what the criminal justice system can actually address. And the addiction is taken care of outside of the criminal justice system. So, to the extent that the red agenda only wishes to address the supply side of the drug trade and doesn't actually address the lack of addiction treatment facilities in Montana, if it's implemented, That agenda is going to fail, like every agenda before it, and miserably. And we'll have the continuation of the money bleed for programs that don't work and for the tertiary problems caused by drug addiction.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Become a sponsor of the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Subscribe to the show on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and parlor. Our handle is at MT What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.